Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun. Wait till I tell you about the best breakfast burrito in Southern California. I had it this week. Comes from a tiny little taqueria up in Ventura. Mm-mm-mm. Secret spot that I'm going to reveal a little bit later in the show. I'm sure that chef touches that chorizo very lightly because she's an expert. Giving you some clues already because it's a woman. And her name is the name of the restaurant. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, gave too much away. You're going to have to wait till the end of the show for me to give it away. My guest today, 15, I can't wait to talk to him because he's one of my doctors. He's taking care of me. And he actually saved me from having my gallbladder taken out by being able to examine my belly better than anybody else. He told me I tore a muscle. It wasn't my gallbladder. His name is Dr. Cary Strom. But it made me think all week about that expertise in light touch, in art, and in sports. Where in the world of art and music is light touch heard? It's in the fingers and the fingertips of this man, the great Dwayne Allman, tragically died at age 24, a few months after he's playing this guitar and this song. He's playing what's known as the slide guitar, and he's playing his guitar as though it was a harmonica. He's sliding this glass bottle, which is covering one of his fingers, up and down the neck of the guitar, making it sound like nobody else ever made it sound before. Dwayne Allman's actually the same guy who played with Eric Clapton on the greatest rock and roll song of all time, Layla. This is what Tom Dowd, the producer, the board operator in Miami, that fateful morning in 1971, and the morning is because it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, not because it's an early time, when both Eric Clapton and Dwayne Allman are making Layla. Two lead guitars. One guy, Eric Clapton, bending the strings, and Dwayne Allman sliding the strings making a sound that no other guitar player can make because of their expertise in light touch. Listen to Tom Dowd. And it's just beautiful. Those are notes that aren't on the instrument. Those are notes that are off the top of the instrument. That's, that's what makes those people such magnificent guitar players. It's in the tips of their fingers. It's not in a knob. It's not how loud they play. It's touch. It's touch. And both of them have exquisite technique and touch. Here's Eric Clapton talking about touch. He touches the strings by bending them lightly. Dwayne Allman touches the strings in a different way by sliding. Vocal number one. Eric and Dwayne had a great deal of respect for each other's taste, skill, and musicianship. And there was never a question that Dwayne was a fan of Eric's and Eric was a fan of Dwayne's. We had both developed an early love for blues. And the interesting thing was that he was coming from a, di a slightly different direction. He had developed a very unique bottleneck slide style while I was bending strings. So we were coming from the same place, but traveling on different paths and, and could meet, and yet sound completely different to one another, even though we had the same principles going on in our heads. That business of lightly touching and gliding over the strings came from Dwayne Allman trying to mimic a harmonica playing the same notes. 
Here's his bandmate, Dickie Betts, also a phenomenal guitar player, giving us the secret behind Dwayne Allman. Playing with Dwayne Allman was, he was a fantastic interpreter. He really studied and made a school of, of the Albert King and uh, Freddie King and the, the great blues players. Actually, a lot of people probably don't realize it, but Dwayne used to tell me a lot that, that he was influenced by harmonica players more than he was guitar players. His slide playing, Dwayne used to profess over and over to me, he said, man, slide playing ain't about guitar, it's about harmonica. Hmm. You gotta think like a harp player, and it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Now, I've never heard anybody that plays slide say that, but uh, if you listen to it, it is more like a harmonica. And so he had a very unique approach to music to begin with, and he looked at it inside out and outside in and sideways and everywhere. He really studied it. I, as opposed to somebody like me, I'm influenced by music. I kind of I kind of soak all the players in and then let them come out. But Dwayne was more analytical. Where do we see light touch and expertise in sports, like Dwayne Allman on the guitar or Dr. Carrie Strom in medicine? For me, it's Wilt Chamberlain, the greatest basketball player of all time. Scored 100 points in a single game once. He still hasn't played in over 40 years. He's passed away. He still has 90 records in the NBA that are still not broken and probably never will be broken. How did he do it? Well, it wasn't because of his foul shooting. It wasn't because of his hook shot. It's because of his expertise around the rim, his lightly touching the rim, the basketball, close by, that was his skill set. This is the story of Wilt Chamberlain and light touch. He was the greatest competitor I ever was around who refused to lose. For Russell, the ultimate test began in 1959 with the arrival of Chamberlain, the most dominant force the game had ever seen. Wilt was, was not his whole goal in life, wasn't just winning a game. His goal in life was to be the most dominant player that ever played. During his 14-year career, Wilt compiled a staggering list of achievements. In 1962, he averaged 50 points for the season, including the memorable night in Hershey, Pennsylvania, when he set one of sports' most amazing records, scoring 100 points in one game. Who knew him best? The man who went up against him the most. They were rivals, but they were also best of friends. The great Bill Russell. Here they are sitting down with Ahmad Rashad. What a great interview. Talking about what it was like to play him. And you'll hear Bill Russell go, he's not going to make a free throw. He's not going to make a hook shot. His expertise was around the rim of the basket. What was the toughest thing for you playing against Wilt? You could not, I could never play him the same way two games in a row because it, it would not work. And so uh, through the whole time we played against each other, every game was different. One of the points that Bill makes is that you played against each other so many times. That's, you? That, that's very, uh, uh, very, very correct. We got a chance to really vie against each other, you know. Here they make fun of him about free throws and a hook shot. But I can remember when I used to shoot a hook shot on, on Bill right here. He would go, are you kidding me? <laughs> like I wasn't supposed to take a hook shot. You know, instead of having whatever. I said, take my eight more of those, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but but the way that Wilk shot foul shots, maybe that's where you no, want to no, put no, him on the foul line. No, it's not, it's not like as bad as people to have you believe. He could miss half of them and still make 15. <laughs> <laughs> but his expertise was lightly touching around the rim. Here's a final funny thing about Wilt going to a psychiatrist to become a better free-throw shooter. Cute little story. I went to a psychiatrist, you understand, you know, and uh, for about a month uh, on my, on my free-throw situation. After a month, I, 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 gave it, I gave it up. Somebody else paid, paid for the session, $50 a session. I won't say it wasn't, you know, and I, after, <laughs> after I came out of it for a whole month, I, 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 uh, the psychiatrist was a better free-throw shooter than I was. <laughs> And, you know, and so that's, 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 how, that's how it happened, you know If you were playing today, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. would you fare against today's sinners? <laughs> that I, would be dishonest. I, I would think that, uh, That'd be a you know, you see, it's His offensive move, dunking 
and the finger roll. Listen to the great Bill Walton, the greatest college basketball player of all time, describing the finger roll, and then you'll hear the great Keith Jackson describing Wilt Chamberlain and the finger roll. The finger roll is as exciting and as entertaining a shot as you'll ever find in basketball. It's different from the regular layup. It's different from the jump shot. It's different from the sky hook. It's different from the jump hook shot. This is a play where you're coming in and almost across your body have to roll the ball back. Winning with their second jump. Chamberlain against Fox rolls it in. Chamberlain against Fox and rolls it in. That light touch around the rim. What's another offensive shot with light touch in every way, shape, or form? The dunk shot. Listen to Connie Hawkins tell a great story about Wilt at Rucker Park against Jackie Jackson. I think some of our best games were played at the Rucker Tournament. Every ball player, whether it was the guys from California or the guys from New York, and either XL NBA ball players, they would play all the time in this Rucker Tournament. And uh, I remember there was a game against uh, Brooklyn. I played with Brooklyn, and Wilt played with the team from Philly. And we had this game against them, and it was one of, probably one of the best games you've ever seen. But everybody don't remember it because it wasn't on video. It was pre-video, so I mean, it was a great game. And, and we had a guy by the name of Jackie Jackson who was like six foot four and he can actually touch the top of the backboard. I've heard people talk about guys touching the backboard. This guy can do it. And we ran a play and Wilt used to shoot this fadeaway jump shot. He used to go up high and shoot it off the glass. So we had a play that we make Wilt shoot this jump shot and Jackie would come over and block it. And we had the play set up perfect. Wilt went in and turned, shot a jump shot. Jackie came from the weak side and quartered it right at the top of the, of the backboard. And the crowd went crazy. People were running around the place and jumping off the fence and almost jumping off the ceilings and stuff. And it was just phenomenal. Well, don't you poke Goliath, Jackie Jackson. Listen to what Connie Hawkins now says Wilt did because of his skill at light touch. And we looked over at Wilt and Wilt was staring at us and he will call timeout. Just call timeout like that. And everybody was still running around screaming. And back then there wasn't high five. They were giving everybody low five and stuff. Everybody was clapping and carrying on. And then the next 15 plays were dunks by Wilt that I've never seen before in my life. He dunked every single way he can be imagined for. Now listen to Larry Brown, who at the time was the coach of the UCLA Bruins basketball team. 43 years old. Magic Johnson organizing teams in the summer. He brought his buddies, the Lakers. Wilt Chamberlain had four freshmen from UCLA in the gym. The skill of light touch around the rim. Listen to Larry Brown's story about Wilt and Magic. I'll tell you a great Magic story. Um, I'm a coach at UCLA, and he used to come to the men's gym mm-hmm. and organize games. Yep, I remember and There were a lot of pickup games back then. All the time, and he used to make the sides and stack them. So one, one night um, I'm watching and uh, Kevin O'Connor are in the stands. Will Chamberlain's playing with four of my freshmen against Magic, Bernard King, James Worthy, Byron Scott, and uh, Green. A.C. Green. A.C. Green. Green. Uh-huh. And it's game point. Magic throws a sky hook. Will blocks it. Magic calls game. And Will says, that wasn't goaltending. That was a clean block. And Magic took the ball. He said, game over next. And Wilt <laughs> said, hey, coach, was that goaltending? And I, I said, no, that was a clean block. Magic says, what do you think he's going to say? They're his kids. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to what happens next. <laughs> and Wilt says, all right, look, we're going to play a game till 12. We'll do it again. Winner stays, and there'll be no more shots made at this basket. He blocked Every everything. shot. 43 <laughs> years old. He was blocking everything. It was, it was unbelievable. So, somebody used to play in those 80s games who I asked who's the best player you ever played with or against told me it was about a 50-year-old Wilt Chamberlain at those UCLA pickup games. He was, he was that kind of physical presence. Yes, he was. I know firsthand because it was one of the great joys of my life was taking care of him doing his hip surgery. A gentle giant. Smart skillful, and had the greatest touch around the rim. Just like Dwayne Allman with the guitar. And just like my next guest in the world of medicine, the great Dr. Carrie Strom, who joins me, talk about gastroenterology, your colon, and how he figured out it wasn't my gallbladder, 
It was a torn muscle, and it healed and avoided surgery. Can't wait to have you meet him, the great Dr. Carrie Strom, here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN. Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That is Sonny Boy Williamson singing One Way Out. Only he's doing it with a harmonica. And Dwayne Allman heard that and said, I'm going to make my slide guitar sound like that harmonica. Good job, Steve Paulette. All right, joining me now is not just the doctor. He's one of my doctors, the great Dr. Carrie Strom. Carrie, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Okay, Robbie, Dr. <laughs> Clapper, what, what do we call you here? You can call me Robbie. You've, you've earned the right. You saved my life. You can call me whatever you oh, want. Call me Tito. Call right. me Smokey. <laughs> Smokey Robbie Clapper. Nice to be here. How are you? Good. T- before we get started, Carrie, tell us who you are. Where did you grow up? What your dad do t- for a living? And when did Cupid shoot you in the chest and say, yep, of all the things I can do with a medical degree, I want to do the gut, gastroenterology. Take us through your story. All right. So I grew up in Chicago and uh, I was one of three children. My dad was a dentist. Oh, wow. But I knew when I was six that I was going to be a doctor. I built the invisible man. Do you remember that thing? You that model, you paint the organs and the body's invisible. I just I knew this when I was a kid. Wow. And then I went to uh, went to college and uh, I knew I wanted to be a doc, but I also wanted to have a girlfriend and I had a girlfriend my first year of college and uh, broke my heart, but I got bad grades and then she dumped me. It (laughs) ripped out my spleen, tore up my liver, (laughs) eviscerated my abdomen, but it was a silver lining because it decided, you know what, now I got to start studying. (laughs) And after that first year of mediocre grades, I got great grades. I got into medical school. I did a residency, University of Illinois, in internal medicine, and I decided gastro was cool because I liked the procedures. Mm. I wasn't smart enough like you to be an orthopedic surgeon, <laughs> but I was second best, and I became the uh, GI doctor. Then I went out to UCLA, did my fellowship, mm-hmm. and I went into practice at Cedars, and I've been there for years. Years. I started my, in years. my practice. Well, I was an intern in 1983 at Cedars, and in 1989, I went into practice after my fellowship at Curl and Job. So when did you start your practice at Cedars? So I started my practice at Cedars in 1985. So you're four years ahead of me. Wow. You're amazing. Good yeah, I you. mean, you know, everybody, everybody knows there's a difference in maturity between me and you. <laughs> Listen, the reason I mean, I'm both, having you look on, at, look at, I want to yes. showcase who you are as one of the best doctors that I've ever met. But you're also my doctor. Oh, when, I, when I met you, after seeing all my buddies who were general surgeons because my belly hurt, and lie down on your table, and you poked me in one spot, and I hit the ceiling. You said, it's not your gallbladder. You tore your muscle, you dummy. Leave it alone. It'll heal. And you were right. Yeah, how did, how did you do that anyhow? How'd you tear your muscle in your belly, Mike? Probably God, surfing. The, 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 <laughs> Probably surfing, doing something know. crazy. You could have been doing something crazy, but yes, you didn't need your gallbladder out. Yeah, no. And, I, and I, I always thought, of, and when I knew I wanted to have you on as a guest, listen, it's been 10 and a half years I've been doing this show. I really want to showcase the people that I just think are world class, and you are one of them, and you can say, oh, shucks, but it's really the truth. Teach us a little bit about what goes into that wisdom, that sixth sense. Listen, Michelangelo's dead 500 years. I can't talk to him, but I can talk to you about what's not in the book and that, that, that knowledge, that sixth sense you get, probably from the moment that patient walks in the exam room or you walk into the exam room to meet the patient, you already get a sense of what's the matter with them. 
Well, okay, I'm going to tell you. Hey, Mom, get on the radio. I want you to hear this. <laughs> Anyhow. The, well, right, like this... you being a doctor, you being a doctor, and all of us have been in practice for a while, you see people and you see things, just they present themselves a little bit differently. And, you know, not everything, look, and obviously not everything that is a, uh, uh, when you're a hammer, everything's not a nail. So mm-hmm. you got to think a little bit. I mean, it's very easy in this time of, medicine now when we're so stressed with the electronic medical record and just to go bam 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 from one to one sometimes we don't think as much as we should we need to take a little bit more time that that's my concern about medicine now robbie it's just that it's so much there's so much pressure on us to get things done to type into the medical record and and to dehumanize relationships i don't like to practice like that i like to take time look at a patient i have somebody in the room scribing for me so Mm -hmm. i like to think and you know, just by talking to people, you can hear them. If you just listen, if you just listen, they will tell you what's wrong with them. So it's just that you have to take the time. There's a lot of great doctors out there. Our colleagues are very good, but I fearful of the electronic record and mm. our distraction that's taking us away from the thought process. But uh, look, at I'm not a new doctor. I'm not an old doctor. I'm a middle-aged doctor, but I have enough experience to know that you have to listen to the patient and actually touch the patient and try to make the diagnosis before you jump to conclusion. So I want the listeners to hear one of my stories, and then I really want to hear something from you, Dr. Carrie Strom. So I see a patient flew down from Montana um, for his knee surgery, and he's having surgery, let's say, on Friday. Now he's in my office Tuesday. He flew down for me to examine him, get him uh, an internist so that I can operate on him. And I have him lying down on the table, and I have his feet up, and I say, okay, fight me, and I try to push his foot down. He fights me on the right leg, and I'm going to do his left knee. And on the left side, I can actually pretty easily push his foot down, even against him resisting me. And I do it again on his right side. He's got full strength. Left side, the the side I'm going to operate on, he fights with me. Long story short, I said, listen, you're weak on this side. Why is that? I don't know. Well, I'm having my surgery on Friday. I go, listen... You need to go to a neurologist, get a nerve conduction study. Make a long story short, I diagnose in this guy post-polio syndrome. He didn't even know that he had polio as a child. I ended up ultimately mm-hmm. doing his surgery. But you'd be surprised. The simple things that we do, you know, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. You have to be enough wisdom but enough experience. So I imagine as a GI guy, the gut is from the mouth to the rectum, the anus, you're doing rectal exams because you're in that business. But how many times do you say to a guy, you know what, your prostate feels weird to me and find a diagnosis of prostate cancer. Take us through what it's like in your experience, your world, where you found something unexpected. Well, you have, first of all, it's everything is so automated now and we're so distanced from patients. You have to examine and touch a patient. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, it's not so much a doctor's problem. It's the system. We are we are so distracted by that computer and inputting data. And if you're a slow typer like myself, I mean, honestly, if without my scribe, I would have to. I couldn't see the number of people I see in the course of the day. Mm-hmm. I want to focus on the patient, look at the patient. So the the thing that probably the most unexpected thing that I found uh, when I examined somebody was probably I, a patient was coming in for a um, routine abdominal examination, and it was a young patient, and I was expecting, okay, it's probably irritable bowel, because that's just a nervous gut that we see that a lot. Half of our practice is that. And uh, I examine the patients, and I feel a mass hmm. in the abdomen, hmm. and it was a big mass. And then I put my stethoscope on it, and I can hear the sound of the mass. Hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, this cannot be right, and maybe it's just sort of... Uh, Maybe it's the stomach, or, or maybe it's just something that's distended, bloated, full of air. And then I do a CAT scan, and I see something that I was not expecting. It was a mass in the pancreas, a very vascular mass. It was not a malignancy. Hmm. Patient went to surgery, had it removed, and is around 10 years later. Wow. But I was not expecting any type of tumor like that. But I felt it, and I heard it with the stethoscope. Hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, that was the only case I've seen this in 30 years, but Yes, unless you listen to the patient, that is, with your ears, 
and with your hands and with your stethoscope, you, you may miss a diagnosis frequently. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the most common cause for malpractice in this era is misdiagnosis. Mm-hmm. So we have to, we, we really, and I told you, and I think you probably may know what I'm saying because you and I are almost the same vintage. We're distracted from the patient. Medicine's becoming very depersonalized, and it's not the doctor. I think it's the system. Yeah, I agree with you. While we're on the subject of irritable bowel syndrome, teach us what that is, and are there foods we can eat differently? Are there medicines? How do you treat someone who has a nervous gut? All right, well, this is the most common thing we see in practice. So an IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, that is the, um, the acronym, IBS, is probably half of the patients that we see in a GI practice. And irritable bowel can be anywhere from the lips to the anus. It can be indigestion. It can be nausea. It can be constipation. It could be diarrhea. So depending on what type of IBS a patient has, our algorithm will, will go down that branch and will treat accordingly. For instance, diarrhea is a very common cause of IBS. And you can remember since you were a kid, when you have an exam in school, mom, my stomach hurts. I can't go to school. Mm-hmm. So it starts as a young age. And what I like to do is I rule out other causes of diarrhea. Like, for instance, I want to make sure there's no evidence of something like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. I want to make sure there's no celiac. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, what I do with somebody that has IBS, I can tell at the beginning, but I can't make the diagnosis without doing diagnostic testing because it's a diagnosis of exclusion. Nor could I tell the patient that they're stressed out because I just met the patient. I want them to gain my confidence so they're going to listen to what I'm saying. So what I will do is do some routine blood tests. I may do a stool examination. I may do a check for celiac. And then I may do a colonoscopy, do some biopsies, make sure there's not Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. So now we rule out everything. They have IBS. So then we go down to food allergies. I, I want to know what food you eat. Uh, is something bothering you? I may get food allergy testing. And supposing everything is negative now and they're still having the diarrhea, then I like to go to something called a FODMAP diet, and that is an acronym for carbohydrates. And I'm not going to bore you what, what it means, but I'll just say it. I'll put it out there. Fermentable oligosaccharide, disaccharide, monosaccharide, and polyols. Mm. Those are different types of carbohydrates. And we'll do an elimination diet. I'll take the fermentables for one week, and I'll remove that from the diet, see how the patient does. Mm. Then I'll put it back, and I'll remove the next category. So that's most of the time people have symptoms. It's carbohydrate related. There's an entity called small intestinal bacterial uh, overgrowth. The the acronym is SIBO. Mm. That's getting a lot of press. That's when there's bacteria in the small intestine that doesn't belong there. Mm. And we can have people drink a sugar substance and they breathe into a machine and we detect hydrogen in the breath. And uh, if that is positive, we can take an antibiotic and knock that out. Mm. Most of the time I can help patients, but uh, it does recur. It does recur. Constipation is different. Usually I'll do the same uh, algorithm on those patients, make sure there's nothing obstructing. Patients go to the internet. They're fearful. They think they have something bad. I give them good news. Their symptoms may get better because it's so much psychological, hmm. but I end up giving them usually psyllium husk, a lot of psyllium husk, and that helps 95% of the time. Carrie, can you stay on for a second? Because I want to sure, ask you. Absolutely. I just want to ask absolutely. you two things. One, so something for you to think about. That brilliant Australian guy who figured out what ulcers come from and that it's bacteria and not just stress. Right. I want to hear you right. tell that story. And I also want to yes. talk about your love and passion for being a Renaissance man and how music enriches your life as a doctor uh, because you play Beautiful. the music. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. We're talking to the great Dr. Carrie Strom. Right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Your Knee Posts. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. 
Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Hey, Robbie, do you like donuts? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I love donuts. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're listening to the great Dr. Carrie Strom. Turn the beat around. He does it every day as a gastroenterologist here at Cedars. Dr. Strom, teach us one of the great stories in medicine where we made a left turn when we should have made a right turn in the diagnosis of stomach ulcers, which you got to deal with all the time when people have a belly pain. Teach us about the story of that. I forgot his name, the guy, the doctor in Australia who changed the world the world for us. Okay. So what you're referring to is in the seventies, uh, there was a doctor named Marshall from Australia. And, uh, what he thought is that there was a bacteria that may be causing stomach ulcers. Now I want to say in your business, you use anti-inflammatories all the time. That is the second most common cause of, um, of ulcers, mm-hmm. uh, Motrin, Advil, Naproxen. Mm-hmm. But the first most common uh, cause in which you are absolutely correct, and I'm impressed that you know this, is <laughs> H. pylori. <laughs> Helicobacter pylori is a, bacteria, is a bacteria, and what Marshall did in the 70s, he ingested the bacteria himself. Crazy. And he, well, but he, but he made a revolutionary uh, discovery. Mm-hmm that he decided that this bacteria is the cause of ulcers. So about 70% of ulcers in this country are from bacteria. Wow. Now, where do people get this bacteria? Um, let's just say, even though 70% of the ulcers can be from H. pylori, it's not real common in this country. It's more in countries that are somewhat underdeveloped. Mm. It is uh, transmitted in the household, probably from parents. If parents had it, the kids are going to have it. Hmm. Uh, H. pylori does cause ulcers, and once we go ahead and treat with bacteria, uh, the bacteria with antibiotic, the ulcers go away. Fascinating. And it's also important to get rid of it because H. pylori, according to the American Cancer Association, is a class 1 carcinogen. Hmm. So if somebody does have that, you absolutely must get rid of it because potentially, theoretically, it can cause stomach cancer as well. But, Robbie, that, that's excellent. Yes, H. pylori, it's a, the most common cause of ulcer disease and dis, uh, discovered by an Aussie. Wow. That's right. Before I let you go, teach us about what playing an instrument, being a musician, does for you as a doctor. Is it just that it keeps your head straight, gives you a break from the science, or do you think it makes you a better doctor to have that that right brain, left brain going on at the same time? Well, I, I think any hobby keeps everybody straight as just as a person. Everybody needs an outlet. I've been playing the guitar for many years. I've played in bands in the past. Uh, but recently, uh, I'd say in the last 10 to 15 years, I really amped it up a little bit because it was, it was a relaxation for me. And I love playing with my band. I, I have a band uh, made of a bunch of physicians. Originally, we all worked at the surgery center on Doheny, so we called ourselves the Docs of Doheny. Um, we, we have a little bit of a shtick. We wear scrubs. We've played out at many different events. We played for Cedars events at the Board of Governors at the Regent Wilshire. Recently did a parody about getting the vaccination to the, to- to the song of uh, Celebration by Cool and the Gang, which was picked up by NBC. And honestly, this is where I put my medicine. This is where I put my medicine and my music together because of the low vaccination rate. We decided that as doctors, maybe we do this in a funny way. People will listen to us. But it was all about getting the vaccination instead of celebration. It was vaccination. Come on. And, and, and you can see that on YouTube. So but the music, the music for me is just is relaxation. And it's a passion that I've had my whole life. And I'm creative. And uh, I love the medicine. And I love the music. And I said, both of them really complement my life and make my life, it just embellish it and, and make me very happy, both of them together. 
As I said many times on this show, Cedars is just a building. But the, what makes it so special for me, which is why I've had my whole career there, from Tony Gwynn to Kobe Bryant to playing on just one team, I've been at Cedars. It's just a building, but it's the people that make up that building that are the best of the best. And you, Dr. Carrie Strom, make it the best of the best. Thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. I'm glad everybody got to finally meet someone who I think the world of. Oh, thanks, Robbie. Thanks for having me on. I love your show. All right, young man. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. All right, I got to ask you, Jared Abrams wants me to ask you, is there anything wrong with eating a chocolate babka for your gut? <laughs> I would say the more babka, the better. Go for it. <laughs> Live your life. That's Live your right. life, man. That's Go right. for it. God bless you. All right, have a good day. All right, Warriors, the lines are lit up. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Clapper Vision, coming up next here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, what's up? It's LZ. Look, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 and 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I have a Beatles wig on. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Touch me in the song who's singing this diana ross that's a gift god bless her all right warriors let's do it let's go to tom you're on with dr clapper sorry to make you wait so long how can i help you hey dr clapper thanks for taking my call oh it's my pleasure tom how young are you what do you do for a living I am uh, 62 and I build swimming pools, spas, backyard living spaces in Orange County. Wow. What did your father do for a living? He worked in a lab uh, making dye and things like that. I really don't know what it was. And you didn't want to do that for a living. How did you get into building swimming pools? That's amazing. Uh, actually, I was in the car business most of my life, and uh, my best friend put me in contact with the owner of this company, and I wanted to get out of the car business because of the hours, and mm-hmm. it was a good match. Now, did you ever meet Stacy Peralta and the Dogtown guys in skateboarding in an empty swimming pool? No, never met them. <laughs> I just love that history of Southern California of finding these abandoned houses and the young kids, before the police would arrive, would find that pool that didn't have water in it, and they'd learn how to skate and go up and down the side of those swimming pools. I just think that Dogtown movie is one of the greatest. All right, how can I help you? What'd you do to yourself? How'd you hurt yourself? Well, I, I got a lot of pain in my right wrist, which is my dominant hand. Hmm. Um, I also coach uh, AAU club basketball, and a few years ago, just holding the ba- the weight of the basketball was was hurting my wrist. Okay, so palms up. Ortho. Your hand palms up. Is it the little finger side of your wrist, or is it the thumb side? You know what? I can't tell. I think it's more in the middle. In the middle. Okay. Uh, So there is is a beautiful bone. There's eight bones that make up your wrist. And here's a... Do you listen Uh, to the show? You know what Clapper Vision is? Absolutely. All right. Pretend you bought your wife a pearl necklace that had eight pearls in it. And they beautifully tie the string to connect the pearls to be exactly the same size knot. So when we take even a plain x-ray, forget about an MRI, a plain x-ray of someone's wrist, you can see those eight bones 
and you can see that the size of the knot, the string that connects the pearl necklace that's stuffed into your wrist, those eight different bones, is exactly the same size. The ligament is the same size. So if we look on an x-ray and see that there's a gap between two of the bones that's wider than the gap amongst the other bones, we know that you tore your ligament. So that's what we look for. But I will tell you, the most common thing, which is what I suspect you have in your wrist, because I have x-ray vision through the radio waves, they're one of the, of the pearls of the necklace, one of the bones of your wrist, it's called the hamate bone, has a hook on it. It's not just a beautiful round bead like the pearl, but this particular bone has a hook on it. Why does it have a hook on it? Because a tendon has to glide like a pulley around that bump that rises from that one bead of the beaded necklace. And that is called the hook of the hamate. And it affects that one tendon. And very common in baseball players who hold a bat, basketball players, golfers, you will crack the hook off the hamate and have pain exactly where you're describing. Now, it's something that can be seen with a CAT scan or an MRI, but this needs to be investigated not by just a general orthopedic surgeon like me, although I'm certainly capable, but you really should treat yourself. You spend a fortune every month for health insurance. Make sure you get to see someone who just does hands and wrists, who doesn't do knees and hips, shoulders, and the rest of the body, but just does that. So I'm going to give you a couple of names. You got a pencil, you're going to come to Cedars, and we're going to figure out what's the matter with your wrist. The first guy is David Kulber, K-U-L-B-E-R, and the other guy's name is Eugene Tsai, T-S-A-I. Both of these guys have been guests on the show over the years, and they're terrific. That's who I would go to if I had a wrist that hurt like yours does. They need to investigate the hook of the hamate. They need to investigate carpal tunnel. They need to investigate arthritis. Did you tear a ligament between two of the bones? This needs to be worked up. Not just give you a cortisone shot or give you a pill or wear a splint or a brace. You need a diagnosis. That's where it all starts from in terms of how to treat it to get you better. You're too young to have a wrist that hurts all the time and get in your car Use the steering wheel, even though it'll hurt, and drive up to Cedars and get it figured out, okay? Sure. All right, young man. Listen, you're a total stranger to me. I just helped you. I want you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Okay. Thank you, doctor. All right. God bless you. Have a good day. Okay. Cam Akers, we already did the clap revision about how you lift a bucket and how it tears eccentrically, but let's talk about food before the time is out. You know, I'm a Jewish guy from New York. I don't know anything about burritos. I didn't eat Mexican food till I came here in 1983. And by then I was in my 30s. So for me, it has been just such a blessing to spend more than half my life now eating as much Mexican food as I can because we didn't have it in New York. My mouth is watering already. I can't even speak. This week... I've had not one, but two different breakfast burritos. I'm not going to mention the other place because I thought it was great until I had this second one. I don't know if they make the chorizo themselves. I'm pretty sure they make the tortilla themselves. And they don't give it to you right away. She goes into the back and she actually makes the food. It's a tiny little taqueria. Where is it? It's in Ventura on Ventura Avenue. Pretty far up Ventura Avenue. I was riding my bicycle around in that neighborhood this week. And there it was. My friend Ed Sayor, who I surf with, told me I need to go here for breakfast and get the burrito. It's called Dona Raquel. Or Dona Raquel. D-O-N with the squiggly thing on top. A. Raquel. This tiny little place. You go in. Order. And she disappears into the back. And about 10 minutes later, comes out with a bag with two different salsas that I'm sure are homemade as well. I got in my car. I drove back to my place. I didn't even get out of the car. I'm in the driveway. Even neighbors must be like, what is he doing in there? I'm devouring this breakfast burrito. 
the chorizo. It's spicy, but not too spicy. It's flavorful. The potatoes, the egg, the cheese. The other place I had put beans and rice in the breakfast burrito. I'm going to tell you right now, it's too much. But this one, Daniel Raquel, the greatest breakfast burrito I've ever had in my life in Ventura. Don't miss it. You can't. You don't need to tell them the Weekend Warriors sent you because I don't think they're going to know. But you can go get a donut afterwards at Good Time Donuts and tell Sue I sent you. Meet the rest of the Weekend Warriors that are there every Sunday. And if you're there at 8 o'clock, you may find me sitting out in front with my friends. And speaking of that, man, would I love to play golf with a week to a three Weekend Warriors in a foursome. And the great Tommy Lamb, who puts on the ESPN golf tournament on September 10th for the Jimmy V Foundation, has told me that we can select three weekend warriors to play golf with me in the foursome, and they'll pay the entry fees, and you get a $200 goodie bag. It's awesome. So Steve Paulette and I thought we'd make, make a contest. What's the contest? I love getting letters, like letters where you sit down and you write with a pen and you put a stamp on the envelope and you mail it. Mail it to, I think the address is 800, what is the cent? 800, is it 800? West Olympic Boulevard, ESPN, care of Dr. Clapper, the Weekend Warrior Show, Suite 201. And tell me what Clapper Vision has meant to you over these 10 and a half years. And we'll pick three people to come play golf with me on September 10th and talk about it, which will be really a lot of fun. Next week, my guest, I cannot wait. He's a hedge fund, mutual fund expert. He actually lives and works in New York City on Wall Street. But six months out of the year, he runs a gigantic ranch. Jared Abrams helped me find him as a guest. Luke Long. He runs a 400-acre ranch at the foothill of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the Great Tetons. He runs a ranch, and it's all about to me, wide open spaces. He lives in New York because he works in New York, but half of his life he spends in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It made me think, where in the world of art, where in the world of sports, do we see wide open spaces? Well, the Dixie Chicks had one of the greatest songs in the 1990s called Wide Open Spaces, biggest hit for them. It was the name, actually, of their first album. But they didn't write the song. Susan Gibson wrote the song, Wide Open Spaces, that they sang. You should listen to that song during the week. I shouldn't uh, spring this on Steve Paulette. Uh, I should have had him pull it. But we'll be listening to it next week. But the story behind that song, Wide Open Spaces, by Susan Gibson, will amaze you. And how, well, I won't ruin it for you. That's what we're going to get into next week as my guest. You think I have time for one call? Let's uh, let's talk to Richard. Richard, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. And you have helped me in the past. You did my knee six years ago. Wow. Six you years? The, oh, it, it has been six years. Oh you goodness. are the only doctor who diagnosed me properly, who also said no cortisone. <laughs> Yes. Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it made it possible for me to have you join me at a race where yes. we could do a lot of walking. Yes. And I just want to thank you. And also, Dr. Kerry Strom is my gastroenterologist also. Isn't he great? It, yeah, he's phenomenal. Um, he is making it possible for me to continue living after telling me I needed some work done on my colon, and uh, we'll be doing that shortly to give me Well, thank you for calling in for checking in, Richard. I really appreciate it. You know, getting the feedback as a doctor, be it Carrie Strom or being at me, having a grateful patient like you is what it's all about uh, because it is a stressful, tough job to be in the public and take care of people who are in pain or want to know why this is happening to them. Listen, none of us are going to live forever. But to make your time while you're here as enjoyable as possible, 
is really what drew me to medicine and certainly what drew Dr. Carrie Strom to medicine as well. And uh, to be able to have patients like you be that grateful is what it's all about. So thanks so much for checking in with us. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much for checking in. Let's go to Barry, who's on with Dr. Clapper. Barry, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Dr. Clapper, how enjoyable it is to listen to your show every Saturday morning. I, I love it. Oh, I love thank it. you. Thank um, you, thank you. What's your favorite story? Oh, God, there's so many. It's your sense of humor. When you interviewed the doctor this morning, just to hear the two of you guys going back and forth and the stories <laughs> that you tell, the sense of humor, it's just terrific. Oh, it's thank just you. Terrific. Thank you. How can I help you? What you do to yourself? First of all, how old are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 66 years old. I'm in the garment business. I spoke to you about uh, three months ago. I have a low back issue where I've been having spasms for many, many years. Okay. It's getting worse. You recommended that I get a CAT scan and that I go see um, Dr. Pat Johnson, which I did. He's a great guy. Great. We did the CAT scan, and and it doesn't show anything disc-related other than a normal 66-year-old guy. Um, and it just it shows arthritis. This um, is the beauty, have, by the way, this is the beauty of sending you to Pat Johnson, because I can tell you right now, if you, I send you or you go to someone else, they're going to figure out how to operate on you. Fuse, disc replacement, all these other cockamamie things. God bless Pat Johnson, who's the best at it, by the way, if, God, if you need it. But for him, to t the softest pillow to sleep on at night is a clear conscience. For me to find a doctor that. to send you to that. who's going to do the right thing is what it's really all about. So get in the pool, stop eating wheat, take some weight off, and enjoy your life. That's what you're going to do and not have an operation, okay? Listen to Pat well, Johnson well, and how to take off weight. Get that book, Wheat Belly. Read that book, Wheat Belly. I love pizza. I love cake. I love donuts. But you know what? It don't like me. You got to get wheat out of your diet. It's less inflammation. You'll take weight off. And for the next year, you do that, and trust me, you walk in the pool three times a week for a half an hour, and you take 20 pounds off, your back will be something livable. Um, so let me let me say real quick, am I still on? Yep, you're still on. i got about 30 seconds. Okay, so, so I, okay, I had a cortisone shot a year ago. He's suggesting that I get another cortisone. No, no more shots. Get in the no. pool, take the weight off. All right. That's what okay, I'm telling friend, you. Um, yeah, thank you very much. All right, really God bless you, and thanks for the kind words. Okay, Warriors, I will see you next week on the radio, and thanks for telling all your friends and all your family. Steve Paulette and I have been doing this for a long time, and we couldn't do it without you. Until next week, I'll see you then. on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating.